Get ready, Kentucky. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Commonwealth. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in bonus bets as an early sign-up offer. Plus, when you join FanDuel between now and September 18th, you'll also get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. This way, you can watch all the games and be all set when FanDuel goes live in Kentucky. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So join today to claim your $100 in bonus bets plus $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 and over in President Kentucky. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Kentucky. Unique user identification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. Wherever your favorite team tailgates this season, there's a Cox's or Evergreen Liquors nearby. Your mileage may vary. Stop by for all your game day beverages and party supplies, wine, beer, spirits, and more. Cox's and Evergreen Liquors, everyone's go-to liquor store. There is a racing Louisville contingent up there to cheer on those two players. Among them, Jeff Greer of Racing Louisville and Louisville City. We will talk to him at about 6.20 on the phone. Greer going to call in. And, of course, uh, we mentioned it last week. We got into it a little bit last week. We might dive back in there again. A mailbag. We had a lot of great questions last week. We didn't get to all of them. Some of them still applicable, and uh, we'll dive in as well. And if you want to ask a question, send us a note. Make fun of us or otherwise contribute to this show. 437-9680 is the way to do that, the UPS Jobs text line, or hit us up on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, at Soccer City Radio. I'm Jeff Milby. Benton Newman is across from me, and this week I will correctly identify Spencer Brown as our producer. Last week I tried to saddle Zach with Spencer's name. It is indeed Spencer who is here tonight, who we appreciate so very much for keeping us on air. Benton, um, let's just jump into it from last night. I mean, it's very fresh in the memory, fresh in the mind. It still stings quite a bit, I would imagine, for a lot of Louisville City fans that are listening in to us this evening. 4-3 was the final score last night. Lucity goes down to Miami, took the lead on three separate occasions in the game, coughed up that lead on three separate occasions, and then conceded ultimately a fourth and losing goal late on to fall 4-3 in a very winnable game against a team down in 10th place, a team that is well out of the playoff race right now. Credit Miami, they're fighting for their lives, and they kept fighting last night. But it's a win, frankly, that Louisville City should have had. It was, frankly, it was a disaster. Like, it was just a, a bad performance. Um, you know, it's it's a contender for, for one of the probably more disappointing matches of the campaign, considering you're coming off of a, I thought, pretty excellent win against San Diego team. That was a, that was a toss-up in my mind. They go out and get a win. I was starting to feel good about the road trip. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you're on the road. Yeah, short rest. But I, I was feeling confident entering that match. And, heck, for the first 20, 30 minutes of that match, I thought Louisville State looked phenomenal. They're absolutely suffocating Miami. I, you know, I, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this, this might be an easy dub. <laughs> it was absolutely not the case. And it was a, it was a little bit of a slow burn is how I, I, I interpret it. You know, you give up that first goal off of a set piece where, uh, where Martin Powell's was really just – did not defend at all on that one. He was in the best position to try to stop that shot, and they get that first goal, and then it was all downhill from there. Miami start to get a little bit of momentum, start to get a little bit of confidence, and things fell apart for Louisville City. And, you know, that's not what they needed at this point in the season, not only because it's so late, but we're fighting to try to get that home field advantage for the playoffs. And because they got that loss, because they didn't get any points from that, we are now tied in points with Memphis, but we fell to fifth because of goal differential. So now we, we, we don't control our own destiny as much. And it's a, it's a really bad feeling. And, man, I bet Coach Danny Cruz was hot after that one. Yeah, he was uh, disappointed, to say the least. Frustrated with his players for not closing that game out. To your point, looking at the standings right now, Louisville City is in fifth place, as you mentioned, because they have a negative one goal differential. Memphis last night, courtesy of a result against Birmingham, got a point, moved up to fourth. They have the advantage over Lou City on that goal differential. And that's really what's up for grabs at this point in the season, is that fourth spot. Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Charleston, that's your top three. There might be some 
shuffling of position between those top three come playoff time because they are separated by four points, those three teams. But then it's a seven-point gap between third-place Charleston and currently fourth-place Memphis and then fifth-place Louisville City, who are even on 46 points. So it's Memphis and Lou City battling it out for fourth. And not to mention last night that Lou City would have clinched their playoff berth with a win. So clearly weren't able to do that. Weren't even able to get a point on the road. And this is the biggest criticism I think that you can have of this Louisville City team. I bet you Danny Cruz would say it if you asked him point blank about it. Um, Clearly, he's come on this show and been been very honest about how he feels about things with us. So I don't think he would shy away from this statement whatsoever. But at this point in the season, I think you can say definitively that this Louisville City team, for whatever reason, does not have that killer instinct. They do not have the ability to put a team away. Because last night, you touched on it a little bit, Benton, was the best example of that. They scored a goal 15 minutes in. They had momentum for about 10 more minutes after that, right, where they had more of the ball, had better chances, um, were dominating the run of play, were controlling the tempo of the game, all those things, whatever coaching cliche you want to throw at it. Louisville City had the advantage for about 10 minutes after that goal went in, and they couldn't score another. Same thing happened in the second half when Wilson Harris came off the bench at halftime, put them back into the lead two to one, two and a half minutes into the second half, right right off the bench into the game, makes an impact. Momentum is on their side once again, swinging back to Louisville City. You think, all right, hey, they're right here. They're in the lead again. Score a goal, score another goal to make it a two-goal cushion. They can put this game away, put this team down. I, I said it last night on the broadcast with Casey Whitfield. This is a Miami team that had lost four consecutive games coming into last night. Four straight losses. They're fighting for their life at the bottom of the standings. They're in 10th place. Last night coming into the game, they were seven points out of that final playoff spot. Looking grim. I mean, really, if this team took a punch to the chin, they probably would have folded up and gone home and quit. There's nobody at this game, right? Miami struggles. Inter-Miami was playing across town against, against Toronto with Messi in the starting lineup. Nobody was there to see Miami FC and Louisville, Louisville City play. So all you needed to do was land one more blow against Miami, and I bet they crumple up and fold and go home. But they didn't. Louisville City didn't, and Miami didn't, to their credit. They kept coming back. They had answers for every Louisville City goal. They tied the game on three different occasions and then came from behind to ultimately win it late on. And it's just it's another example of Louisville City not having that killer instinct, which has been so shocking. That's probably been the most shocking development of this season for fans was you thought this team last year making that run they made, looking as good as they did over the entirety of the season. They were the best team in the league for long periods of time and were the second best team just behind San Antonio, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. You thought, okay, bringing everybody back. Let's go. The team's going to be off and running. It's going to be great. Hasn't been the case. Probably will not be the case. Feels like it will never be the case this season. And certainly wasn't the case last night. No killer instinct, Benton. Before I get back to being all, all negative and dragging the team, I do want to call it the one bright spot from the night was that, that goal you talked about with Wilson Harris, that pass from Ray Serrano, the placement from Wilson. Terrific My goal. goodness, that was fantastic. And he was hold, uh, Wilson was holding up a backwards 5-0, which I believe was indicating he got 50 goals. I didn't realize that in real time, but found that out later. And that is a very... To, to make a silver lining out of last night's game. That's a positive subplot for Louisville City. Three straight games with a goal for Wilson Harris. I mean, if he continues to roll, that's a, that's a really positive development for Louisville City heading into the playoffs to have one of their strikers playing hot. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, I, I, they were set up for success in this match, which is, which is a particularly frustrating thing. A lot of other, like, just, like, suboptimal results this season have had other things coloring it. Injuries, uh, poor officiating decisions, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, we just came off that big win against San Diego. You go, you're going down to Miami, a team that is they're bad. They're, they're just bad. That's, <laughs> there's no other way of putting it. And Coach Cruz, I think, rolled out, like, did a good job managing the lineup as far as like his, his personnel choices, like considering the, uh, the, the short rest and the travel and all of that. I was feeling really optimistic going into thing. We saw the beginning of the match, but they're just, this team is just not consistent. They are not able to string together results. And that is such a key thing when it comes to the postseason. by this point in the season, you have to have this figured out for, for playoff time. You can't have a bad game like that and <laughs> move on the playoffs. You're, you're knocked out. Your season's done at that point. I've mentioned I mentioned this earlier season, probably about midway through, about guys playing for their jobs. I mean, if decisions haven't already been made, like they're it's getting down to the wire. And if you put out performances like that, like 
I mean, you might be looking for for another team. I'm 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 pretty convinced at this point we're going to be see seeing a big uh, overhaul of the roster, regardless of how this this season pans out. Just simply because if we if we do go on a deep run, in some regards, it's going to feel like dumb luck. Not because I don't think the talent is there, just because they just we just don't have that consistency to make that type of run. And I guess another thought there is that um, with the young guys is that. I don't think that we've seen the mentality translate to them like we would have hoped, you know, being around the likes of Paul DePiccolo, now McKay, but, you know, Sean Tosh, other veterans like that, guys who know how to win, guys who have rings, who have trophies, who have been there. I just, I don't know if that's, that's fully set in with this, this younger crowd like we would have hoped, and that's, it's disappointing. That's the biggest question, I think, right, for Louisville City fans this year. And again, anybody listening to us probably thinks this is doom and gloom. It is by Louisville City standards. We're spoiled. It is by Louisville City standards. I mean, this is a team that that holds itself high and should. And should. Because that's, look, if you just wash it away and say, hey, look, it's one disappointing season. Ho-hum, no problem. It's okay. That's not, that's not what this team is about. That's not what the fans want. That's not the, what the fans expect. That's not the way to generate and build a following for this team in this town. This town loves winners. Just look at Louisville basketball last year. No offense to any UofL fan out there rolling their eyes at me. But they won four games all season, and the crowd at Miami's game last night was pretty equal to what Louisville basketball was looking like come February of last basketball season. No offense to anybody. Just facts. Just facts. This town loves a winner. And if Louisville City is not going to be a winner, they have been forever. They always have been. But if they can't keep that winning culture, that winning um, results, if they can't keep making those results happen in the playoffs, who knows? Who knows where, you know, if the fan base will start to shrink? You never know. So the point I'm making is just because they're in fifth place and probably still going to make the playoffs isn't good enough, simply put. Isn't good enough. And it hasn't been good enough. Uh, all season long. To your point, Benton, the consistency has not been there. They look great in one game, take a step backward in the next game. You brought up the San Diego win. I thought it was a terrific win. One to nothing. They score five minutes in. They defended that lead for 85 minutes. Oliver Zimla made five saves in the second half. Two of them really, really top quality saves uh, to, to deny San Diego a, a tying goal. A great win at home. I mean, the way they went about it, conceded possession, played terrific defensively the entire game. Uh, limited San Diego's opportunities to score, limited their ability to be dangerous with the ball at their feet. And then and then last night, there was none of that. Last night, it was every time you looked up, so after Louisville City scored, they took their foot off the gas ever so slightly, breathed in a sigh, and Miami took advantage and scored. Let's talk about the goals. Let's break it down a little more, a little more uh, in detail. Because three of the goals, I think, are things that will really frustrate Danny Cruz. Two on set pieces... Right, two on free kicks where a ball is put into the box. It's not cleared away. It, it one of them hit the turf a couple of times before Christian Sorto put it away in the first half to tie it at one. And then the the free kick goal in the second half. It didn't touch the ground, but it ricocheted off of a head of a Louisville City player. A poor heading clearance, and then uh, Joaquin Rivas take nothing away from him on the finish. I mean, hit it out of the air beautifully on a volley. Right. Can't take anything away from him, but defensively for Louisville City, it's got to go somewhere else. Can't go high into the air and then into the box where a player can turn it on target. It's got to go behind. It's got to go out wide. It's got to be somewhere different, that clearance. Those are two of the goals that I think will frustrate Danny Cruz. And then the penalty that finished it off. I think in the end, I thought it was a clear penalty. I know you think it was soft. No, 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 no. I thought the one that we got was soft. Oh. I thought the, the See, one I, that Brian Obi earned was, was kind of soft. The one that, to- that Tosh gave up, that was, that was clear. I have no problem with that. I disagree. I, I thought the one that Ombi drew was, quite, was, a, was a genuine penalty, and the one that Tosh drew, while I think it was a genuine penalty as well, I thought it was a little bit soft because Rivas was going down no matter Man, what. We would have been triggered if we had that, uh, that Ombi one called against us. The, the one that Maybe Tosh so. gave up was more clear. That was my point. I'm like, we were essentially gifted a PK at that. You're right. I mean, I mean, I, I can see a world where that's that's called, but I mean, it's soft. It was. Yeah. But what do you make of the goals? I mean, is it at this point in the season? On one hand, you can look at those three goals and say, look, those are just simple mistakes. Clean that up, and you're doing fine. But on the other hand, those are three big mistakes that all happened in the same game and lead to you losing yeah. a game that you should have won. I mean. For, uh, for I guess starting backwards, that that PK that that Tosh conceded at the end. I mean, 
it comes down to kind of game awareness and knowing what sort of challenges to take at that point in the game when you're tied when it's late like that you just can't be going in for something like you have to be be more more cautious and i know he'll, he'll want that one back and uh he's he's generally a better defender than that but that was just that was kind of icing on the cake for what was already a bad defensive night which is weird right because that's that's been one of our our strong suits we're we're definitely in the upper half upper third of the league defensively it's offense largely where a lot of our problems have been um yeah the one goal was just a screamer nothing you can do about that but the two set piece ones i mean that's that has to be so frustrating. It's already frustrating for the coaching staff to concede goals in the first place. For them to be set piece goals, something that I think they've continually harped on to the season. You know, you see them, you see it be a problem, and you go a few games without it, and then all of a sudden it pops up again. It's just something they can't seem to squash. I touched on it earlier, but that first one particularly bugs the heck out of me because it almost looked like Martin Powell was getting out of the way of that shot rather than getting into it. I mean, who's to say if he would have actually stopped it or not? But he had an opportunity, and it looked bad. As soon as I saw that replay, I'm like, he is, you, com- he is coming out right so away. So you think that was on Powell's, that goal? You think it was on Martin? I mean, I think he could, he could have done a lot more to stop it. He was probably one of, the, one of the players in the best position to do something about it or at least make that more of a difficult opportunity than it was. Which is, I mean, which is sad. I was, I was really rooting for him because this was a really great opportunity for him. You know, it was a midweek game. Wilson Harris just played that last one. He's, things start to seem to be clicking for him. I thought it was a golden opportunity. Like, this is his, his chance to show Coach Cruz that he deserves to be in the lineup more regularly, especially going heading into the, the end of the regular season to the playoffs. And, I mean, you know, we can talk about his um, his offensive performance and whatnot, but just that that play alone I'm like man he's gonna get yanked he's gonna get yeah he's gonna get pulled he's and not he did play anymore yeah and Wilson came in right away and scored and it made, made right. uh, coach Cruz look like a like a genius for that one and it really cemented uh Wilson Harris's value in that role but so um I mean and I'm not trying to rag on him I've, I've I've been cheering him on I think a lot of people have been harsh on him this season just because it takes time to get acclimated with the team but that that was a, that was a that was a pretty big blunder to, to give up and I think and again like I thought it was a slow burn and that get, um, Miami getting that goal allowed them to to stay in that game. You know, it, it, it they built off of that that first goal, and it was all downhill from there. Let's real quick with a couple of minutes before we uh, we go to break, and before we bring on Greer, who is our guest, <laughs> Jeff Greer, going to call in at six twenty from Cincinnati ahead of this U.S. South Africa Women's International Friendly, featuring a couple of racing Louisville players. Um, what what could Louisville City do over these final four games? That's where we are now in the season for Lou City. What could they do over these final four games to convince you that this team is back to its best form heading into the playoffs? Do they have to win all four? Do they have to win three of the four? Do they have to win two of the four? It's on the road at Loudoun on Saturday, on the road at New Mexico United out in Albuquerque next Saturday, and then back-to-back Saturday home games in October against last place, last place, Hartford Athletic on October 7th, and then the showdown, the second of the showdowns with Tampa Bay on October 14th in the season finale. I mean, what do they have to do over those over those four to, to convince you, convince Louisville City fans that this team is back? I think they could and should win three of those four, Tampa being kind of the biggest question mark there. We're, we're I mean... On paper, talent-wise, we're just we're better than the than than Loud, and we're better than New Mexico, and we're better than Hartford. I mean, whether or not they do is is one thing, but I my level of optimism heading into the postseason is going to be depending on those performances. You know, if you can, if you if you lose but you look good doing so, there's some silver line you can take away. You know, bad bounces, whatnot, like. Like just kind of like the loss to, to Tampa, we had a, a few weeks couple weeks ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good performance against a good team. Exactly. They just didn't just came up short. If they can string together good performances, regardless of the points earned, that's going to earn me some more optimism. Obviously, I will be more optimistic if we can secure home field advantage and get that first round at home. But uh, it's going to be their their form. Right, but but to your point. Considering who they're playing, a good performance should be a win against these teams. Right. Loud, yeah. Loudoun United, second from the bottom of the East, 25 points on the season. Hartford, last place in the league, 16 points on the season. And then New Mexico, they're in 10th place out West, out of the playoffs, uh, with 37 points. Very similar but, standing to where Miami was last night. But Jeff, just think back to how the season has gone. You know how many bad calls we've gotten against us that have co- cost games? So you that's think, why I'm not tying it so much to the actual result itself. Right, I see what you're saying. There could be just weird, just dumb stuff that happens. What I want is I want the team, I want to look back at those four games and say, alright, the team looked good in there. I, like, I, want, I, want, 
I want the consistency that we've not had all season. I, it needs to come together, and they're running out of time to do that. All right, let's take a time out. we got Jeff Greer on the other side of the break. Soccer City here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Keep playing. Keep working. Keep going. And keep moving with the exceptional orthopedic care at Baptist Health. With an experienced team and a full line of advanced services and procedures, it's no wonder most people choose Baptist to help them keep on keeping on. Visit baptisthealth.com ortho to find a Baptist Health provider. You're listening to Soccer City right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Jeff Milby and Benton Newman. All right, we made him sit through a commercial break because I can't time a show very well. Jeff Greer is in Cincinnati, Ohio this evening where it is racing Louisville night at TQL Stadium. Jeff, uh, tell, tell the listeners what I mean by that. Uh, well, we've got uh, two of our stars going potentially toe-to-toe tonight with uh, Savannah DeMello on the U.S. Women's National Team and Tembi Katmana leading the line for Banyana Banyana, the South African uh, national team. Should be a fun game, a first of two uh, that these two teams are going to play against each other. And then on top of that, for the U.S. National Team, it's a big deal because this is Julie Ertz's uh, goodbye game, uh, who has been a mainstay in the U.S. team for a decade and has won a whole lot of games with them. And uh, it's that time of year where they start to uh, retire players and say their goodbyes after a big tournament. So I'm looking forward to it, and it'll be fun to see our two stars uh, playing in this game. Yeah, it should, that, that's really the exciting thing, I think, for, for me personally anyway, and for all racing Louisville fans, I would suspect. I mean, much respect to Julie Ertz and, and the entire women's national team, but I want to see those two go head-to-head. I want to see DeMello against Katlana. I want to see Timby and Sav go at it. I wanna, it, it. In my mind, it's like a boxing poster where you got like Sav on one side of the poster facing up, squaring off with Timby on the other side of the poster. I think that's going to be a really exciting, exciting matchup. I mean, in the World Cup, Timby Katlana was as exciting as any player in the entire tournament, and obviously Savannah DeMello you know, took some big steps forward starting for the U.S. women's national team a couple of times in the World Cup. So what do you expect to see out of them tonight, those two? Yeah, well, I'm first, you know, I, I think whenever Tembi is with the national team, she's the centerpiece uh, for South Africa. So I would expect her uh, to start and be a focal point for them either tonight or in Chicago. So I'm hoping it's tonight. Um, and then I'm hoping uh, we can put her in some bubble wrap and get her safely back to Louisville in time for uh, the game against Chicago. Was, was that weekend. one of your jobs to bring the bubble wrap up to Cincinnati yeah, for, for the game? Yeah, I actually, yeah, I actually have a big roll of it. I'm going to roll uh, roll them both <laughs> into it uh, after the game, like uh, like a mothball almost. But um, <laughs> but no, and then with Savannah, you know, it, 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 you never know. They're talented. Midfield uh, is, is awfully crowded, so you just never know. Um, if she's going to be a starter or if she's going to be on the bench, if she'll come in as a sub, if she won't play at all. It's kind of that interesting time uh, in the calendar where you just don't know uh, in a friendly or an exhibition for, for the un, uh, unindoctrinated um, to, to see if she'll play or if they want to look at somebody else. But I am desperately hoping that all the racing fans I've seen uh, who have made the trip up uh, get to see their star midfielder and their star forward uh, go toe-to-toe tonight. Jeff, I want that behind-the-scenes look. What was the banter like between those two <laughs> in the lead-up? Well, it wasn't uh, – I, I will say this. It was nothing like um, uh, Danny Rojas and the goalkeeper <laughs> in, uh, in Ted Lasso. Zorro. Nothing like that. Yeah, Zorro. It was nothing like those two. Um, no, I mean, those two have become pretty good friends. Uh, Savannah is funny because she's, she's friends with everybody on the team. And so, you, you know, you'll see – like on social media or something like that, you'll see one night she'll pop up, and she's usually with Ari Borges, but 
Um, one night they'll pop up with like Nadia Nadim and Wang Shuang and Kenby, and the next night they'll pop up, you know, with Katie Lund or someone like that. I mean, they, they just kind of bounce around uh, between uh, all these different friend groups, and they're all friends with each other. So I know that they've been excited to play each other, um, and it's something that I've always really admired about this sport is um, as much as we laugh about the lasso storyline in real life, I mean, a lot of these players in men's and women's soccer, as soon as the game is over, they're going over to see their teammates or their close friends on, on the other team, and it's kind of a fun little uh, sisterhood, brotherhood, community, whatever you want to call it, um, with all of them uh, when they get together. So I'm sure they both want to score against each other, especially uh, Tendi getting one on American soil. Uh, and then I'm sure as soon as the game is over, they're going to go over and say hello to each other. And uh, We've encouraged them to, to make sure they come see us too, so it'll be a fun night. Well, we do. We can say that uh, South Africa has tweeted out that Timbi Katlana is starting tonight and is there wearing the go. captain's armband for South Africa tonight. So that is some positive news. Uh, we'll see what uh, what the U.S. lines up tonight and if Savannah DeMello is included in those plans. You mentioned uh, some racing Louisville fans that you've seen up there in Cincinnati. Obviously, it's a pretty short trip for any racing Louisville fans that wanted to head up and watch both these national teams in action and watch their two stars in action. Um, and I know that, that uh, the, the club itself has, has a, a, a setup there outside of the stadium at TQL Stadium. So just uh, clue the listeners in on, on what's going on around this game from, uh, from your perspective as, as an employee of racing Louisville. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think first and foremost, whenever I get the chance to come up uh, to Cincinnati, you know, I'm going to take it. I'm going to eat some barbecue, get a little potato salad, and have myself a good time up here. But, uh, but more to the point, you know, we we recognize. Look, this is one of our markets uh, in the NWSL. This is a great market for soccer in general. Obviously, FC Cincinnati, an old Louisville City rival, now in MLS. They do such a great job with their attendance. They have a huge following, um, but they don't have a, a pro women's soccer team here, and so that's what we are: is the opportunity for folks. As you guys know, people in Indianapolis, Cincinnati, uh, Lexington, Nashville, as far as Columbus, uh, and even farther than that, will drive down to Louisville to watch us play. So um, it was important to us to make sure that we had a presence here um, to set up outside in the fan zone, of course, and and have some nice giveaways. It's it's not too late to hustle over if you're listening and you're uh, within like what an hour drive or 45-minute drive to get on up here. Um, but yeah, it's important to us to keep having a presence in our surrounding area because, uh, as I trumpet as far and wide as I can, uh, this is the only first division professional sports team on the women's side, uh, in a two hour radius. It's the only first division professional sports team in the state of Kentucky and Cincinnati is, uh, I know they would cringe at this, but I think people across the river consider them sort of like an honorary, uh, city in Kentucky and, uh, the people on the Cincinnati side consider Northern Kentucky honorary Cincinnati area. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, or honorary Ohio, I should say. So it's an easy trip for us, and we're happy to come up here and spread the gospel. So, Jeff, not to detract too much, when you were listing off all the places you're going to check out there, I, I I couldn't help but notice that you left out the Cincinnati chili, the famous stuff. You got to go check out some Dixie or Skyline or Gold Star while you're up there. Goodness, yeah, the, well, it's the fun, food it's of the people. Funny you're, you, yeah. <laughs> Uh, years ago, I, I when I was still a uh, journalist in, in Louisville, I came up for a, the, the now famous Teddy Bridgewater Louisville versus Cincinnati game uh, about a decade ago, and I did an entire blog post, uh, which is makes me sound like a uh, a dinosaur, but <laughs> I did an entire blog an entire post. blog post, yeah, uh, on uh, my chili experience at Skyline. So my dad went to high school here. I'm, I'm very aware of the uh, chili scene as well. I want to make sure i have some before we leave there you go good man it, it is kind of nice though to your point greer about it's one of the few times that louisville can kind of hold something over the head of cincinnati i mean generations of fans <laughs> in louisville you know going up to see the reds play going up to see the bengals play on and on and on but hey we have the major league team now not you uh so that's a lot of fun let's um with racing Louisville, the season's starting to wind down. There's no racing game this weekend for anybody listening because of this international break, uh, because the players are off supporting and, and playing for their nations. Um, but three games to go for racing Louisville, and they're right there in the thick of that very competitive National Women's Soccer League playoff race. So, uh, you know, you said it a minute ago that you, you love to, to trumpet racing Louisville to everybody around. I'll, I'll let you do it here. 
uh, with this playoff race very much on. One home game left for racing Louisville, and and the the fan support is needed to try and see this team over the line into the playoffs. Yeah, and it's uh, the old-fashioned six-pointer coming up in a couple of these, well, pretty much all of them at this point, uh, with how close the whole league is. This is an unprecedented uh, season for the NWSL with how close everyone is. Um, I believe I saw yesterday that every team is over. I think it's twenty, like twenty-three points or twenty-two points for the first time ever uh, in the league. So uh, that should tell you just how difficult it is to win any game, and uh, that's what makes it. That's what made it so exciting this year. Is you know, racing can go out and beat Portland uh, at home. Portland uh, historically the best team in the league. Uh, and really dominate them uh, outside of the flute goal early on. Uh, absolutely dominate the best team in the league. Um, but also know that a, a game like uh, Houston a couple weeks ago or last week is a tough one, and they lost it. So um, everything's still to play for, two points out of a playoff spot. Uh, you've got a couple of great matchups coming up. Chicago uh, Racing has already beaten Chicago four times this season, or excuse me, three times this season. So uh, a chance to make it a fourth uh, on the road there, and then, uh, you've got Orlando, another team right there with racing in the thick of the playoff chase. Uh, and our coaches know that that's a big one, too. But you got to win the one that's in front of you. And uh, I know the team has been anxious this week to get back out there and, and show off the energy that they play with and, and bounce back from a really frustrating experience against Houston. So I'm geared up for it. We're ready to go. And uh, we're excited to see how the rest of the season shakes out. Um, speaking of that Houston match, how's I mean, how's the team's mentality and, and confidence coming off that that disappointing loss? Well, it's funny. So I uh, I was actually out this weekend, this past weekend. I had I was an officiant for a wedding uh, between my two friends, and um, I missed the. I was at a, the rehearsal dinner uh, on Friday night, so I missed the game. So I went back and watched it, and obviously I uh, get as frustrated as anybody when our team doesn't do well. But um, but I will say, I mean. This team, and you hear it all the time, and I think some people roll their eyes at it, they are super, super close. And this group of players, uh, they're not going to to come in on Tuesday after a long weekend or come in on Monday and and be sulking and and act like the the world is over. They showed up, and I have watched them train all week. I mean, they are still getting after it. Uh, There's been some welcome returns to training. Um, that uh, that have been out for a little while, so it's nice to see those faces back, and it's just a really nice environment, and has been, been very competitive. I know they're excited to have the the weekend off uh, and, and get their legs uh, uh, some much needed rest, but uh, there is nothing uh, on, on Monday through Friday that would have indicated that this team was <laughs> was anything other than uh, trying to bounce back and, and very much excited about getting another opportunity to get three points. And we mentioned one home game remaining in the final three for Racing Louisville. That is October 6th. That's a Friday night against Orlando coming up in a couple of weeks' time. So be sure to get your t- <clears throat> excuse me, get your tickets and come out and support the team as they hunt down that final playoff spot. Greer, we'll let you go on this one. Uh, we got some more breaking news. No Savannah DeMello in the lineup for Team USA tonight. So the question I have for you, with DeMello not in the starting lineup and with Timby in the starting lineup, for South Africa, how many racing Louisville goals do we see tonight between the U.S. and South Africa up in Cincinnati? Well, I've been hoping, you know, I've been hoping it's hard because it's my own country, so I don't want to be like, oh, I hope that, that Timby scores a hat trick on my on my home <laughs> national team. But maybe I say, let's let's do this. I'll say Timby hat trick, and the U.S. wins a thriller 4-3 with the game winner coming from Savannah DeMello. Wow. I'll take it. Second half. What wow. do you think? That's uh, that is Rare exciting. For national team soccer to have that many goals, but I'm hoping for it. <laughs> yeah, that that is also a very good point. Uh, but that would be a thriller. <laughs> boy, oh boy, would we be in for something if that happened tonight? Hey, uh, Greer, really appreciate you calling in. Um, uh, hopefully, you enjoy yourself tonight a little bit, getting to watch that game, and uh, we'll do it again down the road, my friend. All right, thanks for having me, fellas. Appreciate you. There's Jeff Greer, former host of this very program, Soccer City, among the Mount Rushmore of Soccer City hosts. There's been so many now that we could probably afford to do a Mount Rushmore of hosts. Yeah, yeah he's right there with Lance. But if we <laughs> <laughs> but, but if we ever got to the bottom of the content barrel where we had to do a Mount Rushmore of hosts on Soccer City, uh, we're in trouble. Um, coming up in a, just a couple of minutes' time, we're going to dive back into that mailbag that we got into last week. We got some great questions from a lot of listeners, and if you want to send us a question, 437-9680 is the text line. Hit us up on 
Twitter, at Soccer City Radio. We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll get into your questions, talking about Louisville City and Racing Louisville, both winding up their seasons, both trying to make it for Lou City into the top four and for racing into the playoffs. We'll get all into it when we return here on Soccer City. Looking for a rewarding career? One that empowers you to serve your community, change lives, and reach your fullest potential? Become a correctional officer for the Kentucky Department of Corrections and earn up to $28.30 an hour with great benefits. Help create a better, safer Kentucky. Apply today for a correctional officer position in your community at careers.ky.gov. That's careers.ky.gov. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. You're locked on Soccer City, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Jeff Milby and Benton Newman. UPS Jobs text line is open, 437-9680. Texter says that Lou City has pulled a Kentucky football, and Danny Cruz has pulled a Mark Stoops because they're playing down to their competition this year. After that 4-3 loss to Miami last night. Any thoughts, Benton? Lou City playing down to its competition this year. I don't think that's completely unreasonable of a thought. I, I, I don't disagree either. I think that's fairly reasonable. If you want to send us a text or ask us a question as we dive into this mailbag, you can do it there, 437-9680, or hit us up on Twitter at Soccer City Radio. Uh, Benton, let's dive into these questions. We had a bunch of great ones last week. We will start with where we finished off the last segment with this friendly between the U.S. and South Africa. Megan, a listener, writes in and says, Savannah DeMello was recently called back into Team USA camp. That's a tremendous honor and a huge accomplishment and something she should be proud of. But are there too many international games in women's soccer? Doesn't the national team need to start supporting the league more by allowing its players to play more often for their club teams. Any thoughts there, Benton? I think the thing specifically with with women's soccer is that's where a lot of fan bases are. There haven't been consistency as far as leagues go, and this is a relatively newer development. And so I still think there's a lot of attachment specifically to the national team. So I still think it's important component of, of the women's game, but I hope over time that the club game starts to garner more and more fans and you get less of these sold like national team followers, followers of players and more of people who are following their local clubs like racing Louisville. I think that's just a paradigm shift. That's, that's going to take time. I think you're absolutely right about that. And that definitely plays a part in it, right? Is that for generations, there's not been any consistent top level women's soccer league anywhere in the world, really. I mean, even in the United States where women's soccer was light years ahead of around the world for a long, long time because of Title IX and, and everything else just in, generally in our culture, supporting women's sports. That's why the U.S. has been so great in the World Cup down the years is because for a long time they were just ahead of everybody else. But even in the U.S., we haven't had a consistent women's professional league until the NWSL, which is now 10 years old. And this is why I agree with the premise of our listener, Megan, who said that the national teams need to start supporting the club teams more. I think they do. I think at some point, the various federations, FIFA as a whole, needs to say, all right, let's allow these players, let's cut down on the international breaks, let's allow the players to play with their club teams more often and build those followings and build that part of the sport. Because... That's where it is right now. That's where that's where that's the growth opportunity, right, in women's soccer is to get a more consistent and larger following for these club teams. We're seeing it everywhere. We're seeing it at racing Louisville. They had ten thousand for a game earlier this season for Phil the Fam against Angel City. A great turnout. The crowds have been strong all year long. There is definitely a strong core of racing Louisville fans, and that's true of most of the markets in the NWSL. But I would say to you, Benton, that when the stars are not available, that kind of hurts the product a little bit, and I'll give you one example before I turn it back to you. Wang Shuang with Racing Louisville. Great honor for her to go represent China in the Asia Games, right? It's it's absolutely wonderful for her career, wonderful for her to be able to represent her country. But she just got done playing in the World Cup, 
and already has missed a couple of racing Louisville games because she's back on international duty. We got to cut that out. Yeah. Wong Shuang's got to play for the team that's paying her the checks. We got to cut that out. Yeah, there's definitely some growing pains there, and I'm trying to keep my bias in check because I am much more in favor of, of club play over national team play. That just doesn't capture me as, as much, but it, particularly in the in the women's soccer context, I un- I understand the the kind of dynamics there at play, and I just think there's just some growing pains that are, that are growing as far as now we we're in new territory with the NWSL being as old as it is. I think they just they have we have several expansions coming down the road. They just recently announced Boston, so I mean things are definitely going the right way for for club play, and I think the the scheduling related to uh, national team play will need to come and check over the next few years. So um, honestly, it's a it's a good problem to have because before it was really just the national team component. It is absolutely a good problem to have. And the other part of that I will also say as well is that the players that make the national team, particularly for the U.S. women now, now that they have this equal pay situation in, the money playing for the U.S. national team is much bigger than a lot of these players are making with their clubs. And that's, that needs to change as well. They gotta, the clubs have to do their part. And the league has to do its part by maybe increasing the salary cap, allowing teams to spend a little bit more to make the pay for playing for your club worth it compared to the pay you get for, you know, for the U.S. just making the round of 16 in the World Cup. They got a healthy check from that uh, for the U.S. women's national team players. So they don't need their club as often. I say this because one of the best examples of this to me is Megan Rapinoe. Over her career with the U.S. Women's National Team since 2006, she's set to retire this weekend as well. They're going to send her off in Chicago. 202 appearances for the U.S. Women's National Team since 2006. In her career in the NWSL, which dates to 2013, she spent some time elsewhere. But in 10 seasons in the NWSL, she's only played 112 games with with her club. Whichever club it is, it's, all, it's, been, it's been oil rain the entire time. But she's played in fewer than half the team's games every single season. 12 games this year, 14 games last year, 11 games in 2021. Skip the 2020 season because it didn't happen. Only five games in 2019, the last World Cup year. Because they played the World Cup in the middle of the season, she played five games for her club. If you're a, if you're a Seattle women's soccer fan, if you're an Oil Rain fan, and you say, hey, we got Megan Rapino, when do you have her? You never have her. She's never on your team. Completely valid, and in hindsight, she like she's going to be part of a generation that was in a very like weird situation of the growth of the game. But uh, but the club scene's definitely trending in the right direction. All right, another question here. Um, it comes from Amanda. So many listeners we have to this show. Amanda writes in that uh, Paolo Del Piccolo recently hit his two hundred fiftieth. USL appearance just last a couple of weeks ago now from when this question was written against Tampa Bay. Uh, we talk about him so much, but let's give him another shout out here. What's his, what does he mean to this team is what she's asking. I'll ask you, Benton. What does Palo Del Piccolo mean to this club? He's surely, right, got to be a guy that gets his name up in that ring of honor whenever it comes around. We were just talking about Route Rushmore's. You know, I'm simultaneously carving Nile and Paulo simultaneously into that Mount Rushmore. I mean, just absolutely pivotal. He's not been there since day one like Nile, but he did join the following season. He's been a captain for a long time. Just like a, he's a, such an important part of of this club's history and culture. I mean, even when he's not playing, he's just a big impact. He's just a leader through and through. He's so f- familiar with the game. I know he's been a guiding presence for a lot of the younger guys. Like, you just can't say enough great things about him. I'm sure if you talked about to any other players, any other staff, they would just rant and rave about how, how great he is. And I'm just very fortunate that he's he's gotten to play for our club for as long as he has. And, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's first bout Hall of Famer as far as Louisville City players go. Palo Del Piccolo, Niall McCabe. Cameron Lancaster, Brian Ownby, Sean Tosh. Am I forgetting somebody? That's got to be the five, at least those five. Maybe there's another person in there or two that I'm missing in my mind. Those five, the season after they retire individually, into the ring of honor. Got to be whatever whatever gimmick they come up with, whether it's a Hall of Fame, to your point, or a ring of honor, or they retire the jerseys, or whatever they want to do, those five have to be automatic shoe-in they retire at the end of this season, game one of next season. We're going to bring them out before the game, let the crowd cheer, and put their name up somewhere in the stadium. Got to be, right? Yeah, there's a few other names you could maybe throw in the mix, but those are the absolute uh, shoe-ins. But for the sake of it, you gotta you got to space them out every year so they each get their time in the in the limelight. There's plenty of time to, to induct these guys. But, yeah, they're, uh, their mark on the club is, is unforgettable, and they should be cemented in our history. 
Next question, we got Carlos. He asks what the biggest missed opportunity for each team <laughs> has been this year. And I tell you what, Benton, maybe since this question was sent in to us ahead of last week's show, our answers may have changed a bit. I've changed my answer. For, for both teams, because Racing <laughs> lost to Houston in what felt like a must-win game last week, and then Lucity drops last night's result 4-3 to Miami in a game that wasn't a must-win, but a game that they absolutely should have won. So what do you say? What's the biggest missed opportunity of the season for both teams so far? I mean, I think recency bias is, is peppering this a bit, but um, the um, Racing's loss to Houston was... Was 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 not good at all. I mean, that was a a great opportunity to to get yourself in that playoff picture and and, and really cement your your spot there. Um, so I'll go with that one for racing for Louisville City. I think there's several contenders. You know, I'm thinking of that home opener loss to El Paso. Um, they weren't good at the time, but they ended up being a better team. So I think that kind of colors that one a little bit. You lose five nil to to Sacramento. Um, I mean, they're just a fantastic team. So a little props there. Disappointed to have lost to Detroit trash team, mm. and we go up there and lose. But uh, but again, considering the full situation as far as where we are fighting for our tabling position, the, that that Miami match from from last night, yeah. like it's like it's if it's not if it's not number one, it's certainly right there in the conversation. And I and I actually started my uh, my my write up about that match pretty much saying as much. I'm like, there's a handful of matches you, you, you can look back to as missed opportunities or, or just major disappointments. And this is absolutely right there in the mix. I have to agree with the recency bias of Louisville city last night just feels really bad. Uh, there have been some, you, you mentioned a lot of the bad losses this year, but considering the opponent, considering the fact that they led three different times in the game, that that's what makes it sting the worst because it'd be one thing if they took a one nothing lead, lost two to one, took a two to one lead, lost three to two. They were up three to two. All three of those times they could have put the nail in the coffin and just didn't. I mean, the game was right there in their hands and it slipped out like a bar of soap in the shower three different times. They bent over and picked it up two additional times. And then finally, the the fourth time it slipped out of their hands, <laughs> they couldn't pick it back up. No comment. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we. <laughs> you made me lose my train of thought there. Um, no, I'm not my, referencing I mean, Shawshank Redemption either. Go ahead. My, I mean, I can't move on. Next question. All right, next question. Next question. Let's see here. Uh, this comes from John. He says... Benton, this is directed to you ex- oh, exclusively okay, here, uh, so, so I'll, I'll step aside. But Benton, you always ask the players in interviews about their favorite restaurants and places to eat and drink around town. What are yours? That is a thing. Yeah. Every time we interview somebody, you always close with like, hey, where do you like to go eat? It's funny. So, so where are your picks? That way? I think we touched on this last week. And I'm going to give, I think, the same answer, if not uh, what I meant to say. Did, did I read this one to you last week? Yeah, because I think I said Simply Thai, right? You did. You're right. I did read this to you last week. You're I mean, right. it's not the fanciest place you can pick in town, but man, it's solid and it comes up a lot in my head. All right. Simply Ty, great answer. Sorry, we did talk about that last week. We'll skip to the next one. This is uh, from Jacob. He says that uh, last week, while honoring Racing Louisville's World Cup players, the mayor, Craig Greenberg, said that he was looking forward to working with the Soccer Holdings ownership on continuing development of what is now parking lots around Lynn Family Stadium. When they do finally develop that area, what do you guys want to see? Restaurants, a hotel, apartments? What do you think? I think his wording here is absolutely correct because that's what the mayor said. He said, what is currently parking lots? He's working to develop, working with the ownership to develop. We've we've seen those plans. We saw the renderings years ago. The pandemic happened. It's kind of slowed the things from what we understand. Jonathan Lintner's come on the show uh, earlier this year and said that, look, they're still planning on developing those things. So it's a positive sign that the mayor brought it up the other day. But what do you want to see when they finally do turn that into something around Lynn Family Stadium? Look, I haven't been shy of that. I'm a a northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area native. and I don't, Don't say skyline chili. You don't want a skyline chili there, do you? No. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. My goodness. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, I watched, uh, I watched Riverfront Synergy, whatever you want to call it, go down. They build up Paul Brown. They built uh, Great American, and for a long time, the banks was absolutely nothing. For years and years, it was nothing, and they kept saying they're going to build something. They're going to build something. 
and it's finally happened and it's a really cool area it's just sometimes these things take time so i'm gonna have a level of patience with the the development of it but i hope it's it's really an entertainment district i really don't want to see offices i'm really not too inclined to see expensive apartments especially there. nowadays offices nobody's yeah. working in the office yeah. anymore so that, that seems like a bad like, investment there's always expensive apartments everywhere yeah. like let's just not do that let's add some cool stuff let's make this a place where people want to go for a variety of reasons for a game to go out to eat i don't know like random things like like Dave and Buster's type of stuff. I don't know, like just stuff that's fun that's going to be like nice entertainment thing. Maybe like some sort of a uh, little music plaza. Oh, that'd be some nice. Live, like stuff. Maybe you know you're not going to get like a Guns and Roses huge crowd, something like yeah, that. Yeah, but there. something maybe like a pregame yeah. concert there while people are filing yeah. in. Give people a reason to come early and exactly. stay late. Also after the game. One thing I was saying, I don't want to turn this into a whole like. Uh, development sort of thing is that I, I hope they keep in mind they keep some element of parking available we don't have right. the, we don't have the public transit I would like within this this city or this nation really at all but so I hope that it's they don't sacrifice all the parking for other stuff and all of a sudden people now can't really get there or get there conveniently so yeah we think Louisville fans are late arriving now wait till there's less parking around Lynn Family hey, Stadium they won't get there till the 60th minute you build a train in town I will I will use that absolutely you, but they're not going to do that <laughs> let's be realistic so let's keep the parking in mind too guys I'll disagree with one note that you made about apartments i think they got to include some apartments because that would be killer imagine if you're a louisville city fan racing louisville fan you can live down the block from the stadium oh you know walk, how expensive they're walk gonna down be. to games you're right they probably will be too expensive there's all, there's there, like there's so many expensive apartments around like we don't need more of that but i tweeted this uh, i don't know a week and a half ago and, and uh, this has to happen I'm, I'm convinced it has to happen when they develop that area there needs to be an irish pub and you call it mccabe's for Niall McCabe, Mr. Louisville City, the Irishman, the native of Dublin, I think he's from Dublin, uh, who's been with Louisville City from day one since 2015, started the inaugural game, has never left the club. It's got to happen. Talk about a ring of honor, ways to honoring these guys. We need McCabe's public house on the property outside Lynn Family Stadium. That'll be a really great place to go I, before a game. If we have any rich listeners tuning in, there you go. In mind. There's your business idea. Fill it with Louisville City memorabilia. Benton's got a house of it. I bet he could give a little bit to you to fill it up. Make it a, make, just make it the place yeah, for Louisville City fans like to gather. informal museum. I would donate to yeah. that cause. All right, final one. We got it just a matter of minutes ago. Real quick, it's another one directed right at you, Benton. Oh. It says, it's from Sean. He says, Benton, you recently hit 1,000 followers on Twitter. What are you going to do with your newfound celebrity, and do you plan to move to Hollywood anytime soon? Well, Elon has uh, is essentially is actively ruining the platform, so I can't <laughs> leverage that. No, it was a, it's a radioactive 1,000 followers it's, now. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a fun little milestone that I was, I was kind of you know excited about, won't, won't, won't lie. But um, I just think it's it goes to show the kind of engagement that I think we have within our, our local soccer community. Uh, I mean, between like Twitter and Facebook, that I mean, there's just a lot of like ongoing conversations there, and I like to participate in that. So I, I, you know, I share my writings from VamosMaratus.com. I share any information that I get, pictures, just thoughts. And it's just fun to have discourse on both Louisville City and Racing Louisville. So I, I appreciate everybody who's joined me on that ride, particularly on Twitter. What I will say is we have a what is allegedly a local newspaper in this in this city that doesn't cover our professional soccer teams hardly at all. And in the past they've made arguments saying, well the readership isn't there, the audience isn't there. I think Benton you proved that the audience is there if you consistently provide them with good content, they will find a way to it. And and that's been the issue uh, at, at the place I'm talking about, and you've you've filled that void admirably, my friend. If you build it, they will come. Jonathan Lintner was a beat writer. He showed that it works. That's right. we got two shows next week, soccer, the soccer ball on Wednesday and potentially another show on Thursday. So look forward to that here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. It is Soccer City every Thursday at 6.